All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Turning Left. I am Jason Allen. With me, as always, is Sir Richard. Hey, hey, and there's uh, no roundtable. There's not no roundtable, but an interesting fact. Each week, I'm going to give you a little interesting fact that not many people know about Sir Richard. It's kind of like, you know, people say, oh, okay, I, I get that. Makes sense. Sir Richard made the all-star team last year of the uh, for the uh, progressives all-star team. Uh, the reason why is he believes in giving the Republicans a full court very true it's interesting and knowledge i know that will enrich everyone out there and they'll say wow i feel a little bit more smarter for knowing that hey uh more smart is a good thing right and we're gonna we all need to be more smart after uh even if you caught like 10 seconds of the uh uh the wonderful pep rally at uh you know i didn't seem to me like in arizona last night trump's out there on a podium and stuff it seemed to me like a pep rally for trump university uh, probably was. Yeah. He just, you know, ripped it off. And he plays to his base, throws out the red meat. Of course, you've got the people behind them that look like they're on heroin or something because they're all spastic and wearing the red hats, you know. And they've been paid to be there. Yeah, well, that doesn't hurt, you know. I mean, give them a little uh, lucrative... Uh, Incentive. It's incentive. In Trump's camp, I guess you need all the incentive you can get. Hey, it seems to be. If you're if you're uh, playing for Team Trump, just remember, folks, you need an incentive-based contract because uh, it's all crap otherwise. Yes, that and a cup. <laughs> cup, right. Safety, safety first, people. That's right. Yeah. Well, folks, it's uh, great to see and uh, to talk with you again. Uh, you, my God, I know people out there right now, they're like, crap, two weeks in a row? This must be some sort of record. You know? Well, hey, you know, records are made to be broken. That's right. And if if there's any records that's going to be broken, we're the guys to do it, man. Hey, bring me that acetate. That's right. Uh, okay, first, what I wanted to get out of the way first is... Uh, the brouhaha and the hullabaloo and the tomfoolery, put whatever you know, in the line, fill it in. BS. The BS. That, work, that works even better, yeah. About the Civil War monuments, because I know after uh, Trump got on there and he basically coddled uh, the white you know, nationalists and everything, there, one, one of the talking points directly after that was, uh, well, you know, they're ruining our history and our heritage. Those two words, but when people say that, that gives, makes my skin crawl. Well, hey, what, uh, do you see any heritage uh, lingering for George the Third, not much, but right. uh, I'm sure there's some enclave somewhere in like uh, Whitechapel or something that you know meets every meets every Wednesday night. You know, to be a Tory, hey, to be a Tory again. Oi, George the Third wasn't so bad, bit of a loon, <laughs> but no. But, uh, but yeah, I want to touch on because they use that as their main talking point. You know, they're ruining our history and our heritage. Eh, baloney. Yeah, I just wanted to. Put some stuff out there, you know, set it down and have some food for thought for people that are like, well, I just don't get all this hullabaloo about the Civil War monuments, right? Right. So I, I started thinking, I started cogitating, I started uh, using the 2.5 brain cells I have left to, uh, and a lot of, it came down to this. No one remembers crap about history. Uh, that's because it's not really taught very well. One and two, nobody cares. Yeah, well, we care. I care <laughs> tremendously because uh, you know if you don't know history, you're bound to repeat all the mis- same mistakes you made the first time through. That's right. Shout out to Ben Franklin for that one. Right. Yeah. So it's also, folks, 
when you you kind of forget your history or you're really not familiar with it or you know of course nowadays that's called low information <laughs> students, students right uh People like, well, you know, they hear the names Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson and uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, they hear names like Lee and stuff, and they, if they know anything at all about them, it's usually some kindly grandpa-looking guy with a white beard right. with a sort of benevolent-looking face. Right. And, and people, oh, you know, it wasn't so bad. Oh, just the guys just sent uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, Southerners to be slaughtered. Right, and and not, not to mention it. Uh, just to throw it out there, Robert E. Lee was a slaveholder, had a big plantation there, which is now what Arlington National no, Cemetery, Cemetery. Correct, uh, which I thought is quite fitting. He know? donated that. Right. He, 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 uh, he didn't have much of a choice. No, and he actually said he didn't want any monuments uh, erected to him. You see, yeah, he was the first guy to say, "Listen, we shouldn't be celebrating this. It was a, you know, it was a travesty. It was a nightmare, and it, we shouldn't be, you know." It was a, ca- a catastrophe for the South. Right. So, outside of a time machine, there's no one we can really talk to that was back then to tell you, "Yeah, it wasn't so great." You know, Robert E. Lee wasn't, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the. Uh, with the Huxtable, what's his name from the Cosby Show? Uh, he oh, right. He wasn't the benevolent or father knows best, you know. Right. And so, in lieu of a time machine, and in lieu of being able to go back and uh, hang out in the eighteen fifties, eighteen sixties, I figure we're going to talk a little bit about a, a a gentleman by the name of Wesley Norris. Wesley Norris was a uh, he was actually a slave of Robert E. Lee's, and uh, somebody, God bless him. A year after the Civil War is over, decided, hey, I want to talk to you, man. You know, sit down, sit down, have a cup of joe. Tell me what it was like being a slave of Robert E. Lee, right? And so Wesley Norris, I guess up to that time, had been kind of a very soft-spoken guy, didn't want any limelight, kind of just, well, you know. Because it was dangerous, that's why. Because, yeah, because it was dangerous. And uh, so he, but he did, he opened up and, uh, um, maybe we can dig up that uh, newspaper article that uh, that that talked about Wesley Norris, and in it he talks about a certain time where him and his sister uh, ran away. Okay, and uh, now people think, well, he, listen, he didn't run away because it's a great place. He ran away because, well, I got to get the heck out of Dodge. Hey, I don't like being in chains. You know, correct. And uh, so, of course, they got caught. Uh, they were sent to uh, the local constables at that time, and old Robert E. Lee shows up. And I, I believe this was around eighteen sixty sixty one. Just, I mean, literally just before the outbreak of the Civil War. I mean, within within like, I think it was like within three weeks of uh, South Carolina seceding from the Union, and uh, so. Uh, they they put him in there and Lee shows up and uh, Lee's not happy. Lee Lee I guess uh, it, it turned into another Trump versus Mitch McConnell. You know he's <laughs> swearing at him. You know you blah 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 blah. So the the benevolent grandpa figured these people need to be treated uh, and taught a lesson. And so what what he did was uh, they took him out to a barn and they tied him up and they proceed, proceeded to whip him. Okay, they whipped uh, Wesley 25 times and his sister about 20 times. 
And then uh, benevolent Robert E. Lee, the guy, the kindly grandpa with the white beard, said, you know what, that is not enough. Not enough. You know, since I'm in such a benevolent mood and all, I'm going to toss Brian onto your backs and wipe it in there to get into your wounds to make sure that you learn the lesson you can't run away from me. And all this came out uh, finally in an interview around 18, uh, 1866. Uh, for some years it was debated, did this really happen? Is this uh, the 19th century equivalent of fake news, you know? Uh, but there's some historians, uh, they decided they wanted to get on the case, and they uh, look at it, the like the plantation uh, ledgers, everything right, like that. Right, where every slave on. is listed. And lo and behold, people, it really happened. Da, da, da. And so I, I wanted to throw that out as an illustration to tell people that, you know, Robert E. Lee, you know, even though they named the car after him in the Dukes of Hazard, he wasn't a great guy. No, he was he was he was uh, just a visible person for the South to be pro slavery. Right. And folks, if if you say, Jason, I don't know if I'm buying this man, you're just some weird dude on Facebook Live, dude, all you gotta do is Google it. Google uh, Wesley Norris, Google Robert E. Lee, and you'll find a billion and one links that'll uh, take you to the promised land. You know, and that's not even touching on Stonewall Jackson. The oh, other, the and, other uh, lots of the other generals. I mean, yeah. But yeah, I ha do have a solution for all this. Yes. Yes, I, I think I'm we should ears. we should uh, gather up all of the uh, numerous statues to all sorts of uh, wacko uh, Confederate people, and Jefferson Davis included, and we should put them in a museum so people can go in and see them, but we should call it the Losers Museum. That's right. They lost the war. They just can't get over it. Right. The National, uh, the National Museum for Humans' Crappy Ideas. Hey, uh, you know, you can put, uh, you know, failures of the Confederacy. Right. And so, I, you know, I, I wanted, the reason why I want to talk a little bit about this right off the bat is, I, just, you know, the, these guys shouldn't be venerated, okay? And and also the history-wise is when these monuments went up. They didn't go up right after World War II. Oh, you no, know? they went <laughs> No, they didn't. You know, it was kind of a, folks, think of it this way. Uh, they all went up, they started going up around, uh, during and just after World War One, uh, the last death throes of Reconstruction were struck down. Think of it, folks, as a giant middle finger to the establishment by some of the southern states that, hey, we're, not, we're no longer under your oak, yoke, so to speak, and we're going to erect these statues reminding you of, of what's going on, make ourselves feel better in the process, you know? And so I kind of wanted to throw that out there. And listen, John Meacham... Uh, we were talking about off the show here before. Uh, right. Started. He uh, just wrote a new article in the New York Times. And uh, the the name of the article is uh, Why Lee Must Go and Washington Must Stay. You know, the, the whole slippery slope thing that the, uh, the right throws there out there. There is no slippery slope. That's BS. Right. And uh, in the article, uh, he quotes John Adams, which I find especially fitting for right now. And... Uh, John M. started off with, uh, facts are stubborn things, and for Southerners, they are also often uncomfortable. Facts are stubborn things, that's, uh, that is your, uh, John Adams' quote of the week. President uh, of the United States, by the way. Right. 
But Meacham goes on to say, you know, and for Southerners, they're also uh, often uncomfortable. If we don't face them forthrightly, forthrightly, we risk living in worlds of fantasy and fable. Sound familiar? Right. Subject not to reason, the greatest of gifts, but susceptible to passion, the most dangerous of forces. In such alternative realities, the Civil War was not about slavery, but about what neo-Confederates refer to as heritage. There's that word again. Right. There's you know? no heritage. Right. And... So you, you, when you turn it into things, you know, abstract ideas of pseudo-values like our history and our, uh, you know, our heritage, you totally gloss over the fact that these people perpetuated not only uh, rebellion and sedition and treason, but they also took part either, either actively or by proxy uh some of the worst crimes against humanity. Oh, definitely. I mean, more people, more Americans, uh, Southerners and Northerners, died in the Civil War than every other single war combined. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the, the, uh, the one statistic that really blew my mind when I was back in school was uh, in, 20, in 20 minutes, 20,000 soldiers fell at Antietam in 20 minutes. And you, you get you get your visuals of a meat grinder, right? That's all it was back then. Ca- cannon fodder, right? Yeah, and uh, so I mean, so when you, when you think about it in that scope, well, the the statues start to become a little tarnished. Then you know, wait a minute, you know, were these guys also? For all you white breads out there, you know, <laughs> and I'm one of them. Uh, I, I want you to think for a moment. And, and, and we're going to play a little empathy game here for a second, okay? I, I want you to think for a moment about how it must feel for an African-American person living in either a southern state or wherever there are monuments of the No, oh, they're all over the place. Tennessee, I mean, they, they, they go down southern uh, uh, Illinois. Right. And how it must feel for them to walk past these statues every day, right, generation after generation, and know that these guys in these pewter or bronze or whatever they're made of concrete are made uh, are venerated for enslaving, you know, your ancestors. Right. And we never, you know, we as we as again as white breads, we don't really think about that. We go on our little merry way. Going well, that's because time. you know, uh, diversity is not part of the American lexicon in most people's minds. Right. And, and and so when you when you think of the personal conduct of a lot of these leaders, coupled with uh, some sort of empathy of of people that may not enjoy having to have a daily reminder of how crappy life used to be, uh, we can throw in a third slice of the pie, and that is finally bashing over the head with a shovel the idea of what uh, secession and the Civil War stood for. Yeah, most people, uh, because they haven't read history, right. don't have a clue. But uh, had anybody had brains then, they would have realized that the South was bound to lose the war yeah. because they were basically an agrarian society, mm-hmm. whereas the North was a manufacturing society. Uh, the North had all the major cities. They had a much larger population than the South in general. And, uh, you know, but it was that 
inflammatory, you know, we're going to keep our women and children safe and slavery is going to keep going and blah, blah, blah. They didn't have a, it was so painfully obvious, even at the start. The only thing that was going wrong was that for the first three and a half years, the North really didn't have its heart in the game. Right, yeah. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. Not, not until the, the discussion and uh, the motivation behind it was kind of uh, evolving, kind of coalescing at, you know, of course, the Gettysburg Address, 1863 right. in the aftermath of Gettysburg. Uh, and some people say, well, you know, I, I, I watched a history channel and they talked about, you know, states' rights and that. It wasn't about slavery no. at all. It was about states' It was about know, slavery. It totally was about slavery. Now, think, think about it this way, folks, and this is very, you know, kind of easy to comprehend once you kind of get in that 19th century mindset, right? So, to Southerners, slaves were property, okay? They weren't human. They weren't human. So when you talk to them about it and they told you states' rights, of course to them it would be about states' rights because they already take it for granted that their slaves aren't people. It's their property. And how dare you Northerners tell us what to do with our property and our way of life? Well, yeah, you and know? because if you take the slaves away, the agrarian society collapses because yeah. uh, there were not. it wasn't a mechanized society back then in the South. No. No, as soon as Eli Whitney, you know, patents the cotton gin, uh, the demand for slaves rises a hundredfold. Right, because he and, needed more pickers. And uh, for the folks who had never been out in the cotton field, it's brutal work. Yeah. Uh, just go out there, go to uh, grow a little cotton in your backyard sometime, and go to try to pick it without cutting your hands to ribbons. Right, yeah. So, so folks, uh, if you understand what the perception and the reality of what the Civil War is and was and the, the fiery passions that were held by both sides of why it happened, you start to see that it was nothing more than just slavery. At, in the end, it all boils down to the North saying, hey, you know, maybe this isn't so kosher after all, and the South saying, how dare you tell us what to do? We, you know, we, we can go do our own thing. I'm taking my ball and going home. Didn't okay? work. So... Let's put that to bed. I want to touch on that in the in the beginning of the show because it was kind of a lingering thing from last week in the in the uh, the afterglow, so to speak, of of Charlottesville, and it's been you know it was it was touched on last night in Trump's uh, Arizona speech talking about they're trying to rob us of our history and our heritage, folks. When you hear those two dog whistles of history and heritage run for the hills because that is the talking points of people like David Duke and Richard Spencer and the nut jobs on the right. Okay, when yeah. you hear about that stuff, don't fall for it. And ask yourself this. The final thing about it I'm going to say is this. Ask yourself, uh, yes, you can know the history. Yes, you can know the heritage. But is it something you want to celebrate? Okay? History is, if history is full of bad stuff, and just because you know about it, and just because it happens, doesn't mean we have to wreck statues of it. End of story. Sounds good to me. Period. Let's, let's, let's put a stamp on that and move on. And uh, so another thing, Sir Richard, I was thinking about this last week is with all this cacophony and all this the 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 uh, Sharknado of crap that's going on from the right and just the general state of politics right now, I started thinking, man, who is going to uh, 
who is going to take the mantle for the Democrats and the progressives? Who is going to lead the charge? Because right now we have kind of a, a field of, I wouldn't say even contenders, but we have a field of notables. And no one has really risen to take that mantle and say, uh, okay, folks, this is what I am. This is what I stand for. Uh, it's time to get the ball rolling. Okay. Yeah, I, I, my, I, I had a thought last night. I was wondering, you know, after eight years, couldn't Obama run for president again? Yeah, I don't. Mm, because I don't, it says you can't have consecutive. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to ask a constitutional scholar about that. Uh, I, you know, I know in some capacity, not not the exact same thing, but of course we know the history of John Quincy Adams, who served as president, then spent the additional what, 25, 30 years in the uh, House, mm -hmm. uh, and very distinguished career too. I mean, it got uh, the 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 uh, law uh, limiting the president's ability to uh, keep running for office. FDR, right? They they moved to get rid of FDR. Right, yeah, and that's... Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for those folks who don't know the acronym. <laughs> for the low-information voters out there, FDR, Federal... Uh, <sighs> Franklin Delano Roosevelt, okay. Well, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't see any, but it's, it's not like cream rising to the top. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly because I think... The, the DNC and the Democratic Party has its head so firmly planted up where the sun doesn't shine that they are not, they're outside of reality. They need to simplify the whole program whereby somebody can come in and say, listen, we can do that and this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. So I think the only thing the platform needs to say is our goal is to win back the House and the Senate in 2018, yeah. nothing else matters. Right. And, nothing else matters. Right. And, 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 you know, I agree that, that uh, part of the reason why we don't see more of this uh, people vying for the leadership and a, a clear and coherent sort of uh, strategy, so to speak, is because there isn't much going on legislatively. I mean, yes, people bounded together and struck down the uh, health care, uh, the skinny bill, but uh, there hasn't been really anything pushed by Trump's administration, nor, nor will there be because he has no cap political capital left. Uh, and, and him, uh, him and his... Uh, once uh, going steady with McConnell is now turned, you know. Right. When, when the fruit withers on the vine, and uh, so uh, don't look and don't look for anything soon, folks. But well, I I have another suggestion. I think the DNC should split itself in half. Mm. One half of it should be for national priorities like the House and Senate. The other half, where there should be even more money, should be for taking back the 33 governorships and uh, legislatures that are dominated by the Republicans that allow states to pass laws like uh, they're in uh, North Carolina. They want to be able to allow people to mow down protesters with their car, mm. uh, that kind of stuff. If you can North Carolina, start, we're talking to you. start shrinking yeah. the base where people can control legislatures, you're going to see a whole bunch of people then jump up and rise to some sort of national uh, precedence. But right now, the folks who are there basically are the same folks who've been there. Mm. And 
people don't want that. That's why Trump got in. They don't want the same old thing. They want something new and fresh, which, which is why Bernie made such a big hit, even though he's an independent, uh, because he was different. So if you're going to run as a Democrat, for the House, the Senate, or the presidency, yeah. you better have some I'm really different credentials because if you don't, people are going to go, oh my God, it's the same old crap all over again, and <laughs> nothing is getting done. So you don't have to promise people two chickens in every pot. All you have to promise people is 40 acres and a mule. We're going to get stuff done. Yeah. You're going to have jobs. Your standard of living is going to go up, and your kids will have a brighter future. That's three things. Nothing else matters. Right. And, folks, you've heard the whole, you know, the old adage of it all starts at the bottom, and it really does. I mean, it starts at the grassroots level. you got to find the candidates who figure, uh, you know, I, I do want to run, I, you know, because a lot of them look at the political landscape today and they say, man, is there's so much just negativity. It's it, it's all crap. I don't want to get involved in this. Oh, yes, you know? I, I, I totally understand. And, uh, and it's all about also, to me at least, on the local level, state level, up in the national level, it's it's about finding party unity, okay? And yes, I mean, you got a diverse amount of people and a diverse amount of political philosophies, uh, so you got to try to gel it all together. And, and, and sometimes, you know, it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I, I truly believe that there, the reckoning within the DNC or the Democrats as a whole is going to be between... Uh, the boomers, and I'll even throw us Xers in by proxy because we're close enough to it, versus the millennials and the younger people. Right. Because their whole outlook, and you can see this in, in poll after poll after poll after poll, well, outlooks are just generationally different. Right. And so we've got to find a way of, of trying to coalesce and get it all together to build, you know, uh, a, a coala- you know coalition. And so, so I asked the question, is it possible? Can we do it? Can the Democrats unite and be more than just an anti-Trump party, right? Because right. so far, all, you know, all we see is, you know, Trump sucks, Trump sucks, Trump sucks. And hey, don't get me wrong. He, he does. does. But you got to be for something. But you got to stand for something, right? You got to say, "Listen, I understand you're angry. I understand you're disenfranchised. I understand that you feel not connected to anything about politics. Politics is a four-letter word now, and I. Uh, but this is what I stand for. This is what I believe. I'm going to help you. We, you know, and especially on the economy, they just want to hear somebody that says, "Listen, you know, I understand. You know, I feel your pain." You know, and, and and try to say, listen, I'm here. For, I'm here for you. You don't have to look at an orange billionaire and try to find your hero. This is what I stand for, and I see problems within that because let's face it, folks, at, at the leadership level, right, the national leadership level, it all comes down to power. Oh, absolutely, I'm in charge, and money, and my money and power. I'm in charge. I don't want to give it up, even if you know down deep in the subcockles of your heart that it's the right thing to do. To maybe, well, maybe we should be more inclusive, and maybe I should step back and let you know, let uh, history take its course. Uh, so that that's all in my mind as well, and especially as we talked about. Um, the candidates now we we can go through a whole list of Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris out of uh, California, Al, right. Al Franken, Al Franken, 
uh, and you know Sherrod Brown out of Ohio, and there's you know a list, and and so folks within the next I don't know five six months, sit down, folks. Here's another good exercise for you. Here's your homework too. Sit down and think about who you want and what you want in a leader, right? What what sort of values do you want your representative, whether it be in the House or the Senate or whatever? What values do you want them to mirror? What, what do you want to take forward? What do you stand for? Because if you can't even decide what you stand for, how are you going to decide to the people who represent you what they stand for, right? I'll start with you at the very end. And so... I want to. I want to get Sir Richard's take here, and I know we're a little bit behind on um, the time. That's all right. Um, I want. I want to get your take about the you know the cast of characters in the DNC. And, uh, who do you see? Who do you want to see? Is there is there someone out there that maybe not very many people know about that says you know th- this guy right like kind of like Obama back in 07, 06, right. when you're like who is this who is this you know senator new senator from Illinois. You know, that's catching every everyone by, wow, I heard a speech at the uh, Democratic Convention. Wow, this guy's going to be something, right? Who uh, uh, Prognosticate for me, and I'm going to ask Doc, too, because Doc did get uh, Bannon right within 15 minutes. So Karnak back there. Well, is, uh, you know, I, I think they just have to redo the structure of the, the, of the DNC. Mm-hmm. First of all, you don't have to have somebody give a big speech at the Democratic Convention because the viewership for both conventions is the dismal <laughs> failure. It's not worth the money or effort you put into it because all you're doing is talking to a sliver mm-hmm. of Democrats not and not independents at all. So we, they just have to break the mold and do something new. By breaking the mold, that is going to make news in itself. Yeah. And therefore, more people may go, wow, they really want to do something different rather than the same old crap they've done for the last 75 years. Right. Until that happens, nobody's going to believe the Democrats. They're going to keep losing legislatures. Yes. And they're going to find that this country is on the verge of a one-party system. Yeah. Yeah, when you start, that's when you really start sliding towards a, an autocracy or an oligarchy and fill in the blank, whatever, whatever works for you. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure. I kind of like, you know, I'll be honest with you, uh, I kind of like the moxie of Al Franken. You know, Al Franken, Al Franken, not only could he, you know, do good work, he works hard, he could make us laugh. Right. And that's, and not at him, but at us. We right. laugh about ourselves. Whereas Don the Con, you know, we laugh at him because he's a loser. Right. We, we don't laugh with him. We laugh at, at him. him. Exactly. Um, but I doubt Franken wants to do it uh, yeah. mostly because he feels very successful doing what he's doing. He actually works across the aisle yeah. with uh, other folks because they've come to see him as a real legislator, somebody yeah. who really works hard to uh, do things for the American public. That doesn't mean there aren't other people out there. Uh, you know, Jeff Merkley's name got tossed around when he did the 15-hour uh, thing yeah. in Congress uh, in the House to uh, stifle the bill. Uh, so that took guts oh, yeah. because nobody is really filibustered 
like that for a long time. No, nobody can filibuster like Merkley can filibuster. Exactly. Right? You know, it's a funny thing. In the last election, they talked about you know Hillary Stam and everything. You don't have to worry about that with Merkley. Merkley no. will get up there for hours on it. He'll he'll treat it like it's Woodstock. Three days later, you know, he's still going strong. His problem is he's from Oregon, and people don't know what the where they don't even know where Oregon is. Or they see Portlandia. Or they see like, Portlandia. Oh right. So, uh, for practical purposes, you've got to have somebody come out of a place that's got uh, a fairly large population like L.A., California, New York, uh, Illinois. So we're talking major population. Even Texas, if they could find a Democrat that was actually a Democrat. You know, I've heard that there is actually one Democrat in Texas and lives somewhere outside of Lubbock. Uh, But that's kind of a it's kind of a urban myth. Oh, I thought it was the mayor of San Antonio. What was uh, I can't remember his name. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, but he, that's that's why we don't remember his name, right? Exactly, he's the lone Democrat in the exactly. Lone Star state. Yeah. And, and writing a book is nice, but it generates funds for you. But people don't read, right? So, my attitude is: if somebody's got a lot of money and they really want to run for president, they should start doing it now by making very high-end thirty-second TV spots mm-hmm. that says. The three things that I mentioned earlier, and stick with that. Make it, make America great again was what wanted for Trump because it was so simple. Right, yeah. and it it really went to the folks who are simple. He totally stole that from Reagan. Oh, I, of I course he did. Mm. Of course he did. So uh, until that time comes about when the playbook has changed right. so much so that the Republicans can't make a very quick switch to do the same thing, then you've got them. That's right. So, folks, in a, in a nutshell, to wrap this all up in a nice, neat, little, tidy little bow, it's like that song in Flashdance, right? <laughs> we, we need a hero. Right. We're looking for a hero on the edge of the night. Anyway, we're not going to do karaoke here, folks. Thank you. you. But, uh, oh, yes, we are. No, I'm kidding. No, but... Uh, so we're, we're waiting on that. We're waiting on that hero. We're waiting on that guy uh, who stands up. And hopefully, hopefully, it's more like JFK and less like Richard Nixon. Right. Anyway. Uh, he or she is out there. He or she is out there right now, yeah. They just look at the system the way it is and realize they just can't, they just, it's a glass ceiling. Right, yeah. Uh, so, folks, pay attention. You know, over, over the next couple months, and we'll continue to talk about this as we start rolling towards the midterms and beyond. Uh, so, think about that. What, what do you what do you want in your representative? Right? Because if we don't voice that, we get stuck with uh, you know, old Mango Mussolini uh, uh, Dorito Man, still my favorite. Right. I like it. And uh, you know, if we don't put something up. Who's going to step into the vacuum? It usually doesn't end well. And, and yeah. you know, we're spoiled in Oregon because we have basically great yeah. uh, House and Senate members, except for one, and I won't go into his <laughs> name. He who shall not be mentioned. Yes, Greg yes. Walden. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but the rest of the country, other than maybe Washington, California, doesn't really have that kind of appeal where reg- regular folks can call up Merkley or Wyden or Blumenauer or whoever 
and get them, you know, get their office and say, hey, this is my problem, and have their problem fixed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bam. That just happened. Yep. All right. Folks, the next thing we were going to talk about, and then the good thing is we're not going to talk about because we're running behind, And uh, but... The, fir- the third story we're going to talk about is, uh, y- you know, you you saw that thing yesterday, right? The whole hullabaloo about uh, the te- Treasury Secretary uh, Steve Mnuchin's wife uh, kind of mocks a, uh, happens to be a local Oregon woman. Yes. In a, in a, in a uh, back and forth a little bit on Instagram. It kind of went viral yesterday. Uh, I saw it on CNN. It was on MSNBC. Even Fox talked about it for just a, a couple seconds. Uh, and but we're gonna shelve that until next week because next week uh, skyping in will be Jenny Miller, the lady who uh, uh, the young Oregon wife of and mother of three. Uh, she she's one of course who did the exchange with uh, Louise. That's her name, Louise Linton, right? L- Louise Linton, yeah. correct. And Jenny Miller is going to come on and talk to us about it. What it was like uh, actually getting caught up in a uh, kind of uh, viral affair. Yeah, it was right? a let him eat cake moment. Yeah, Marie Antoinette, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even um, though she never said that, but it's so, been attributed to her. Right. So, folks, stick a pin on that. Uh, put that on the shelf. Uh, don't get a little too dusty, though. We're coming back to it next week <laughs> uh, with Jenny Miller, and we're going to talk about it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see a week later what the take is, if there's any lingering stuff. Yeah, yeah the only thing I can think of uh, is Louise Linton sure has a very thin skin. Right. And uh, and this isn't the first time. Folks, this isn't the first time she said something really stupid. Well, it's just, you know, it's part of the territory <laughs> that it is all right folks we're behind but i promise we're gonna get to it right now uh the uh, part of the show that i eagerly look forward to every week <laughs> because literally i don't talk we don't talk about stuff uh what he's going to talk about before the show because I, it's like christmas morning right you don't want to know what's in the wrapping maybe you want to but you don't want to you want to be surprised yeah. you want that christmas morning glee when you wrap you know rip open that wrapping and you find golden nuggets from <laughs> sir richard so this week's we got the putts of the week, and we're going to find out what's on Sir Richard's mind. Okay, well, it's uh, pretty simple. This week's World's Greatest Putts of the Year Award goes to, and this guy has won it in nineteen in, 19, in 2016. He won it more than anybody else. <laughs> uh, it goes to Paul, the devil incarnate Ryan, for lying and lecturing a Catholic nun sister. Hold on, hold on, hold on. i got to break in. A Catholic nun. Right. Okay. She asked, stood up and asked him a question about how unfair his policies are towards the poor. And so Sister Erica Jordan, she's a Dominican nun um, and retired school principal, uh, and he was trying to tell her how he has to cut programs for the poor for their own good. Oh, jeez. So uh, he must have thought that this stinking pronouncement he was making was snowing the nun unfortunately she know better she knew what a lying pile of crap she was hearing and wouldn't have any of it embarrassed him terribly because he actually at the start said well i'm a catholic too and then she was basically saying no you're not because you don't follow catholic principles you and then of course she didn't use any expletive deletes because she's a nun 
But, you know, Ryan is, um, he is the devil incarnate. I mean, he speaks out of both sides of his, of his mouth, and he tries to snow people with a lot of ridiculous and unnecessary and inaccurate facts and figures. He is a lying sack of crap. Not much different than Don the Con. Uh, speaking of Don the Con, I have a shout-out here. Yeah. Uh, congrats to Connie Lowe Oglesby of Las Vegas for uh, formally being blocked on Twitter by Don the Con because she was telling him things obviously he didn't want to hear. So if you want to get that bad, red badge of courage, I suggest you leave a stinky message for <laughs> that includes the truth for uh, at real Donald Trump. Right. That's his hashtag on Twitter. So uh, he must have a list that's been blocked that would go for a mile or two long. Oh, yeah. yeah. So thanks, Connie. You've, you've done it again. That's right. Connie, you, you have joined now the ranks of the truly elite, right? Uh, you can grab a seat next to Stephen King. That's right. Who got who got banned by Donald Trump, and then J.K. Rowling, of course, the author of Harry Potter, she stepped in and said, uh, sent a message saying, "You know what? I'm not blocked. I'll send all your stuff." To right, Michael Moore. I mean, yeah, dignitaries. So feel safe, feel good. You are in an elite status. Uh, Tell us how the accommodations in that clubhouse is. It, it's got to be wonderful. You know? I love it. So, uh, uh, so this week's putts of the putts of the week. Hey, Wisconsin's own Wisconsin's own Paul, the Devil Incarnate Ryan. Nice. What else is on your mind, Sir Richard? Well, you know, interesting. He's got a like a teamster or steel worker that's that's basically yes. got to run for his seat yeah uh and um some of the interesting things about paul ryan he stopped all the mail to his house because he was getting so many nasty letters that were piling up by the thousands on his front yard and he couldn't get rid of them fast enough right. uh he, he's taken down his actual physical address uh he's running scared yeah and very silent. Do you notice that a lot of these guys fell right off of the face of the earth after the health care bill finally got stamped into the ground? That a lot of them, like Ryan and even McConnell, I, he's trying to be quiet, but he gets keeps getting pulled in when Trump calls him on the phone and starts cussing at him, right? But Ryan, is, Ryan has been very sneakily quiet. And a lot of these guys have. Well, that's because they have no spine. Yeah, and I think they they see the writing. At the end of the day, folks, uh, the only thing you can depend on Republicans and Republican politicians is, is they look out they look it out, out after their own uh, self interest. Oh yeah, They're, I mean, all they want to do is uh, keep their their noses as clean as possible. Uh, and get reelected. That's right. So they'll go out and ask for money. So the uh, one way to get rid of that is boycott all the people that support those kind of candidates. Yeah, very good. economics for you know uh, what is it? Uh, Home Depot and Hobby Lobby and all those places that support right. wacko right wingers. Stop shopping there. There's Lowe's. There's <laughs> lots of other places. Par Lumber. You name right. it. Lots of them. Right. Hello, Lowe's. You know, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's exactly right. And uh, so it's, it's funny to see these guys after it's done and after uh, 
they went home for the summer recess, how quiet they've all been, too, because uh, they they see the writing on the wall. Well, and the interesting part is come uh, September 30th, when the continuing resolution needs to be passed, there are going to be a lot of Republicans that vote not to pass it, to shut the government down. And so McConnell and Ryan are going to have to do what? They're going to have to go on bended knee to the Democrats to say, save our butts. Because the last time the Republicans shut down uh, the government, they lost the House and the Senate. Right. And, and that uh, uh, I understand the power, the political power play of that and all, all that. I mean, we've, we've lived and gone through it numerous times. But it, it is never, someone needs to tell these guys, it's never a popular thing to try to shut down the government. No, it, and it costs actually costs two billion dollars just to do it. Right, and but when you when you get like uh, just crap rhetoric and hype, you know, uh, hyperbole from like Trump at last night again in 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 Phoenix, uh, thrown out the red meat, telling that he's perfectly willing to let the. Uh, the government gets shut down until they build his wall. Right, and that's just not going to happen. I mean, because the, both uh, the the House and Senate Republicans know that they'll lose their shorts, right. just like it, what happened last time. Um, because people remember that. They re- remember getting shut out of their national parks. They remember there was a glitch in Social Security where checks didn't go out on time. Yeah. Those really hit the people the hardest. They don't like it and they rebel against that kind of stuff. They want government there to help them right. not to not to be closed. Right. It's it's all such an abstract, far away, non tangible thing until you have to live it in your day to day life. Exactly. Like, oh wow. That does make sense. You know, but I got a solution real quick before we move on to the uh, cause of the week. I got a solution. We're all about solutions here. We're all about helping you help us help you. It, what we're going to do is instead of building a wall down on the southern border, I think we should build a wall around Mar-a-Lago. Hey, Just what an idea. We'll, we'll put it up there. That way he can he can walk out in, his, in, the, in, in the early morning when he gets up to tweet, you know, he can walk out there in his little golden bathrobe and his little golden bunny slippers, and he can walk out there, hear the birds tweet, and he can look at this big, beautiful wall and say to himself, yeah, I got that done. Hey, you know, the funny part is I don't think it'll last more than 15 seconds before it becomes looking like the Berlin Wall. Right. Graffiti yeah. all over it, telling and in, in language that he understands but really hates. Right. Yeah, we, we've gone from uh, Mr. Gorbachev tearing down that wall to, I'm going to build a big, beautiful wall. All right, folks. While you're thinking about building a wall in Mar-a-Lago, let's hit you with the cause of the week. And this week's cause of the week is PDX Wildlife. That's right. PDX Wildlife's mission is to conserve species and habitats by producing innovative, high-quality research and educating communities about their natural resources. This is their sixth year conducting the panda bear research in uh, the Sichuan province of China. Cool. Yes. They continue uh, their data collecting uh, on a re- year-round basis, and they've uh, begun analyzing their uh, uh, maternal care research for pandas. I mean, they're leading the way in uh, uh, the fact now that pandas, uh, I believe, just got taken off the list. They were the on the endangered species, species list for right. a long time. China actually stepped up and has realized that they are a national monument for right. China, and so they're putting money into it, too. So all these projects that the or PDX Wildlife has got going, uh, 
when I reached out to them and told them their cause of the week, they shot back a little thing and said, man, they're uh, uh, so excited because within this next calendar year, uh, a lot of their initiatives are going to really start bearing fruit. And uh, I told them uh, maybe later down the line, come on and we'll talk about it. That'd be great. So PDX Wildlife, folks, if you want to get involved with PDX Wildlife and you want to kind of adopt them as your cause, you can. You can uh, go online to www.pdxwildlife.com. Or if you feel like you want to talk to them on the phone, you can call them at 503-841-7036. Once again, 503-841-7036. 841-7036. Or if you're really wonky like me and you want to talk to somebody in person, you can do that too. They are located at 9233. Excuse me, I forgot the one three. Let me start again. 9233 Southwest Briar Place. That's in Portland. 97219. Once again, 9233 Southwest Briar Place, Portland. 97 97- Two one nine. There's your cause of the week, PDX Wildlife. It's all linked up there on our uh, turning left page up on the, the Facebooky interwebs, and you can go up there and check it out and uh, click on over. Last thing we got to talk about really quick is the book endorsement for this week. I want to throw that out there. It's, uh, the book is titled Angels in the Machinery by Rebecca Edwards. Fabulous book. Angels in the Machinery offers a sweeping analysis of the centrality of gender to politics in the United States from the days of the wigs to the early 20th century. No, folks, they didn't wear wigs. It's W-H-I-G-S. Anyway, look it up. (laughs) Uh, uh, Author Rebecca Edwards shows that women in the U.S. participated actively and influentially as Republicans, Democrats, and leaders of third-party movements like prohibitionism and populism decades before they won the right to vote, and in the process managed to transform forever the ideology of American party politics. Using cartoons, speeches, party platforms, news accounts, and campaign memorabilia, she offers a compelling explanation of why family values women's political activities, and even candidates' sex lives remain hot-and-button issues in politics to this day. Get on up to Amazon, order a copy of Angels and Machinery by Rebecca Edwards, or go to your local library, check it out and read it. It's a fascinating book, and uh, she presents it in a way that uh, really uh, makes you ask these questions about what the role is and where we're going into the future. Sounds great. There you go. So, uh, wow, I feel like we're caught up again. I think so. Excellent. Any last-minute stuff there, Sir Richard? No, I just I just watch for... Uh, we still have a few minutes here. So. Yeah, I, I just watch for uh, the polls after uh, Phoenix continue to drop. When it gets to 29% of all Americans, not just his base, his base doesn't count anymore because they're not worth talking to. They're not worth trying to convert. Right. Uh, just think of them as uh, uh, vacated minds and work on the people who actually do make a difference. Get those, uh, what was it, 48% or 45% of people that didn't even bother to go out to vote in the general election. Convince them that it's their future, and if they're horrified by what they see, get them to commit to vote. And even if you have to have them sign a contract, yes, I will go out and vote, and here's my promise, and you'll win a... Cupid doll or something for actually following through. That's right. You will not be putts of the week 
and uh, that's you right. Will, we'll give you like a good citizens award or hey, something. Hey, if you every every person who votes should get a good citizens award because the, that's the only way the country functions. That's right. That's right. A little tidbit before we get off the air here. Uh, we didn't talk about it as part of our general uh, talking points today. It, it, it started uh, last night, uh, again, uh, the failing New York Times, which is neither failing. They're actually, their subscriptions are up, and they're starting to thrive, them and Washington Post both. Uh, interesting story. Um, one of the reasons why McConnell heard it from Trump and Trump cussed at him a bunch was he felt that Trump, uh, that McConnell... Uh, refused to uh, defend him as and, and shut down the Russian investigation. Right. Okay. The second that happened, the second that happened, there were uh, second his uh, McConnell's aides leaked that out. Bob Mueller's ears and antennae just went up because, folks, that is yet another count of obstruction of justice. You cannot order a public official to try to hamper a federal investigation. Plus, good old uh, uh, McConnell is uh, dirty up to his eyeballs in in the collusion stuff because he made connections uh, which he's been desperately trying to cover up. Oh, yeah, between him, uh, Ryan, Ryan, uh, and then everyone in Trump's administration, Sessions, Tillerson, uh, Dana Roar, Dana Roarback out of right. California, uh, him, him too. But uh, again, another another article in the New York Times was basically talking about the theme of it was how the Republicans have officially said they can't work with Trump anymore that they're they're that they're done. You know. Right, because they and, figure uh, at twenty at thirty, I think his numbers are like thirty three percent or something. Like. Yeah. They know that that's not going to get him reelected. No, the, the the real scary thing to me, and uh, just real quick, is what really kind of I'm a, still agog about, I guess, and I, I I am surprised, and again not surprised, that the amount of Kool Aid drinkers. Or malt liquor drinkers of instead of Colt forty five, it's Colt forty five. <laughs> Trump Colt forty five. Like Colt forty five. We'll get, we're going to get Billy D. Williams out there and do some uh, do some work. Uh, but uh, what I'm surprised is still the latest poll. Uh, I think it was ABC, ABC News and uh, maybe Zogby uh, came out and they said. He, Trump still enjoys a seventy-nine percent favorable rating among Republicans, and this right. is this is after Charlottesville, after everything. Well, I mean, yeah, that, it was that, eighty-four. That's 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 saying exactly what the Republicans, uh, you know, what they stand for. They stand for uh, divisiveness. They stand for uh, bigotry, racism. Yeah. You you name it. You name it. it, it it's it's getting to the point of ludicrousness. Uh, of uh, either, you know, I talked about cult, you know, cult 45. Is It's getting to the point where they're going to be about on the same par as Holocaust deniers. Right. You know, they, they, they don't care. Uh, you know, Fox News tells them something different, even though the reality really stares them, kicks them in the backside, telling them it's really not that way, and still they refuse just to even ask basic questions of, Gee, is there something to the story, or gee, is that article in the paper right? Instead of just being called fake news, and right. and uh, and I've got a theory about that too. And I, uh, I actually heard it from uh, uh, Meacham uh, too about uh, the theory, and we'll talk about that next week. The theory of uh, 
why he's so heavily against the media this last week, and he will be going forward in the weeks to come be, uh, because uh, we'll talk about it next week. Yes, and they're teaching and, uh, the millennials a really good reason why they should go out and vote because the Republican Party is going to feel a real lurch when the millennials come into voting power and they have no message for them. Right. So, folks, over this next week, get more engaged. Uh, things right now kind of seem as a lull, and I know if you're on the right, you're like, oh, that Russian investigation its not going anywhere. See, I told you so. It's in the middle of the summer break, folks. Uh, stuff's going to be heating up here in early uh, September, and the, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of stuff coming to a head before uh, the new year starts. It took Nixon they took a year and a half. A year and a half, yeah. Yeah, a year and seven, eight months just to get it, you know. Before impeachment was actually seriously, in, seriously, really right, and the long walk, you know, so, right. Yeah, so, uh, uh, folks, take it easy this next week. Be happy. Be safe. Uh, again, get involved, uh, whether a cause or a charity, nonprofit, whatever. Start asking the questions, and for gosh sakes, whatever you do, tune in next Wednesday to. Turning left because we're going to have more hijinks, hoopla, merriment, and monkey shines, and I have it on good authority from from the uh, from our our our, our crack R and D intern staff that we have a fresh, hot off the presses, brand new, turning left pole again. Terrific! Gonna, I love it. It's going to be great, great stuff. I don't know. I don't know the uh, what the pole is. They just they they. Just told me that it's uh you know that it's in the works and it's done and they're happy about it and it's going to be highly contentious. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, Sir Richard, last last thought. Uh, find something to laugh at besides Donald Trump. Amen, folks. See you next week. Adios, Arrivederci. Buenas noches. Buenas tardes. Bye bye. <laughs>